What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith, brought to you by Patriot Gold Group, Public Square app. We did a TV special recently on the attack on masculinity. And how if we want to get our country back, there's no doubt we have to save masculinity first. It's a foundational point. Why are they attacking masculinity? They're attacking it because it is so foundational. So if we need to get our country, want to get our country back, we have to bring back masculinity first. So in this episode, we're going to do our opening monologue here, sort of set the table. And then I'm so excited to finally, for the first time, talk to Brian Sauvet. And he was as wonderful as I was hoping he would be, uh, just from what I've known him on, on the Twitter. Uh, S-A-U-V-E is how you spell his name. You've probably seen him on Twitter before. But Brian Sauvet, he was great, just to give us the biblical truth, the scriptural root of masculinity and what we're talking about and what we need to be aiming for. Enjoy. Hey, Slider Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Welcome to our special, The Attack on Masculinity. Camille Paglia, she said, a woman simply is, but a man must become. A woman is, a man must become. Hmm. 1960, JFK wrote an article in Sports Illustrated called The Soft American. It's a wonderful article. I recommend you read the whole thing. He says, for the Greeks prized physical excellence and athletic skills among man's greatest goals and among the prime foundations of a vigorous state. Thus, the same civilizations which produced some of the highest achievements in philosophy and drama, government, and art also gave us a belief in the importance of physical soundness, which has become a part of Western tradition. 1960, JFK was very concerned about the state of our physical health, particularly in young boys. Today, 40% of men 20 to 39 are obese. Not overweight, obese. Many people think that, that 
the health of people and the health of a civilization and everything that means are not related, but they are directly related. The point from JFK was that virtue and masculinity is physical. We're gonna to talk to Kevin Sorbo, who played Hercules, coming up in a little bit, right? So there's like the physicalness of masculinity, but there's also the intellectual and moral aspect as well. And a thriving society would have strong people, strong minds, and strong morals. And to go back to JFK's point, I think we are soft on all three. Not gonna to spend too much time in this opening segment or in the show today blaming feminism for all this, because that's too obvious. The feminist movement said that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. That's to say, not at all. But that is so patently absurd. Where are all the, the female bricklayers and female truckers and female, female welders and firefighters? You get the point. But here's the thing. You get all that. Women can't be dads. Women can't be dads. This is the opening sentence, the real-life opening sentence of a Baltimore local news story. All right, here's how the story started out. As another school year begins, a Baltimore mom is not scheduling after-school activities for her 14-year-old daughter. Instead, she's scheduling court appearances and trying to figure out what, if anything, will get her daughter to stop stealing cars and follow the rules of her home detention. That's the opening. There it is, right? That's the news report. There. To be clear, the 14-year-old girl... She's not just stealing cars. When you read the whole article, she's carjacking, okay? I mean, someone's in the car and she's ripping them out of the car and then stealing the car that's already on. Now, you read the whole story and this happens all the time. I get one of these every day. You read the story and what's missing from the story? It's missing from all these stories. Where's dad? That reporter wasn't interviewing dad because there is no dad. If there was a present dad, then the girl wouldn't be carjacking people across Baltimore. And we wouldn't be asking questions, how can we keep her inside? And what jail should we be sending her to? You name the social ill, you can trace it back to a lack of a dad. Try it. Name one. Name a social problem in our country today, and you can trace it back to lack of dads. Now, just to show the opposite, Here's a video of someone who will not go around carjacking anyone. Set the hook. Stay on him, son. Come on, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me tighten this up. Oh gosh, that's a good one. Come on, come on, stay on him. Stay on him, son. Come on, stay on him. Come on, get him up, get him up, really. Come on, come on, come on, crack back. Don't let him pull you in, come on, come on. Come on, come on, real, 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 son. That's a big one. Come on, stay on him. Don't let him jump. Don't let him jump. Come on, son. Yeah! Let's freaking go, boy! Let's go! Come on, boy! Yeah! Let's go, kid! Let's go, buddy! <laughs> that boy will not carjack anyone ever. It's a dad and his son, maybe grandpa, fishing. That kid will be fine. That kid will be fine in life. Or this kid. Up to third. Up, over, third. Now gas. Even transition. Ready? There you go, 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 go. Yay! <laughs> you got it, boy! Keep going. 
<laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> I love you, Dad. I love you, buddy. Keep going. Keep going. So you got a car to your left. Oh, come on. That kid will always know where to go for advice in life. He'll always know where to go when he can't control his emotions, when he doesn't know what to do, when he's in a tough situation, he's gonna know where to go. And not just advice on how to drive stick. He'll make mistakes, everyone does, but he'll have a dad there to provide the direction and the discipline and to bring order back to his son's life. Not all dads are perfect, we all make mistakes. But if you wanna keep your boys out of prison and you wanna keep your daughters off the pole, or today's expression would be if you wanna keep your daughters off OnlyFans, actually if you wanna keep your sons and daughters off OnlyFans, be a dad. And if you see someone in prison, and if you see a girl who does the OnlyFans, you can be certain that there was a deadbeat dad in the past. And I, yes, I'll leave an asterisk for, I brought this up on my radio show once and people called in and they're like, oh, well, what if the mom took the kids away from the dad and the dad lost custody because of the biased courts and maybe the dad didn't even know that the girl was pregnant. So the dad, yeah, okay, sure, fine. There's always exceptions. But the vast majority, the norm, is men abandoning their God-given role as provider and protector. Now, I want to be clear too. There are deadbeat dads who are still present like they're in the home, but no one's home. You with me? You know what I mean? They're in the home, but like no, no one, hello, earth to dad, like no one, they're not, they're not there. They're there, but they're not there. The dad may be present, but is paying more attention to a made up make-believe football team that he thinks he's the coach of than his actual real life flesh and blood children that live inside that same home. 1964, you've heard of the Moynihan, report. He was the assistant secretary of labor in LBJ's administration. Uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan was his name. His own father left him when he was 10. So he understood the importance of families. And, and that is the bedrock of civilization. So in 1963, he wrote a report about the growing divorce rates in America. So in 1963, 25% of black children and 5% of white children lived in homes with unmarried mothers. 25% of black, 5% white. The most recent numbers I could find, so it's way worse than this, is 2011. 72% of black children are born to unmarried. 72. He was worried when it was 25%. Now it's 72. And even for white families, it's or white babies, it's 30%. Right? So he was worried when the black illegitimate rate was 25. How many men have given up? How many men? Or maybe how many men have no good model of what it even means to be a good father at this point, or what it means to be truly masculine. And if you don't know what it means to be truly masculine, which is what we're going to talk about in the show today, then it's easy to take the attack of it and be like, oh, masculinity is bad, or it's toxic. So we're going to describe what it is, create that vision, create that goal, define our terms. So we're going to explore today. The word virtue, like to me, masculinity and virtue are the same word. It's the same concept. When I think masculinity, I think virtue. Virtue comes from the Latin word for man. Vir, V-I-R, virtue means man in Latin. Masculinity is living a life of virtue. And our founding fathers knew this, right? The, the whole pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that didn't mean 
like fleeting emotional happiness. It meant the practice of virtue. Happiness to them, their understanding of happiness was that you can only get it when you live a virtuous life. So the pursuit of happiness to them really meant the practice of virtue. They knew that the only deep lasting joy that you can get in life comes from a life of virtue. Courage, loyalty, hard work, resilience, personal responsibility, self-reliance, sacrifice, all these great virtues that we never talk about. They used to be all out there everywhere. All that was talked about in pop culture. Again, we're talking to Kevin Sorbo in a little bit. So we'll get the Hollywood perspective. Like all stories used to be around these principles, these virtues, and now they're not. So we have become morally weak. Goodness, we don't even have time to go into how intellectually pathetic we are. I just saw a poll the other day. They asked 41,000 adults, 10 basic U.S. history questions. Six was a passing grade. All right, so if you got six, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10, then you pass. So five or less, do you know what percentage of people passed? What percent? You would think in the United States of America, you would think 10 basic questions, like how many states are there? Like those kind of questions, 36% passed. 36%? What? That's it. The rest of you should be deported. What are you doing here when you don't know the most basic things? So anyway, moral softness, intellectual softness, but then back to JFK's point, also the physical softness. Have you ever seen this video? This is La Serra High School. This was, this was a, a gym class, okay? This was a gym, a high school. Look at those guys. They're almost as jacked as I am. Look, they're all like Hercules. What is that? That was a high school gym class. Now, La Serra was known for being exceptional in their high school gym class. But like, even if that's above par, par was still like, you know, those are high schools. Those guys are like, like jacked CrossFitters. We used to have strong boys. These high schools were stronger than grown adults today. Who could do that? What, what adult could? And then of course, compare those high schools to your average high school today. But again, this is my point. It's not just physical excellence. It's who you are as a man. So what is masculinity? Let's end this segment with a, with a definition. What is masculinity? I'm going to quote Brett McKay. He said, masculinity is striving for excellence and virtue in all areas of your life, fulfilling your potential as a man and being the absolute best brother, friend, husband, father, and citizen you can be. Oh, that's so good. Brother, friend, Husband, father, citizen. Masculinity is excellence. Masculinity is virtue and excellence. And we will not, cannot save this country. It will be impossible to save this country until we restore virtue in our own lives first. We'll explore more of this coming up next. I'm grateful you're here. Mike Slater on the first TV, the attack on masculinity. Spread the word. This podcast is brought to you by the Public Square app. I've been thinking a lot about Public Square here with the whole Liberty Safe fiasco. Do you, you follow that story? Do you hear that at all? So the very, very short of it, Liberty Safe, um, gun safe company, and the, the FBI raided a guy's house because of January 6th. They didn't have the lock, so they called Liberty Safe and said, hey, can we have the, can we get in the, the safe? And Liberty Safe's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And they, and they just opened up the safe. And you're like, what? Like, 
you could do that and you would just do that? Like what's going on here? So it turns out Liberty Safe started family owned, small town outside of Provo, Utah, great American company, the whole thing. They sold in 2021 to a private equity company in Greenwich, Connecticut, where all the top people donate to Obama and Fetterman. And like, like if you look through all the money that they've, the candidates they've given to, it's like the furthest left people can imagine. So you're like, oh man, like, I don't know who to trust. I don't know who to trust anymore. That's Public Square's job. They, they are the gatekeepers. They only let into the app the companies that share your values. They will not let anyone in otherwise. So in this parallel economy that we have to create and how you spend your money is incredibly powerful, you can trust that you are only spending your money with people who share your values. That's a powerful, wonderful thing. They've done the work. PublicSQ.com, PublicSQ to find, read the five values that every business has to uh, support in order to be in the app. You can check that on the website, but just download the app for free, PublicSQ.com. Hey, Sunday Crusaders, welcome back to our special, The Attack on Christianity. Let's bring it back to God's word. Let's bring it back to the scripture. Let's bring it back to some ancient wisdom here. Brian Sauvey is here. He's the founder of New Christendom Press, and he serves as the pastor of Refuge Church in Utah. He's the co-host of the Haunted Cosmos podcast, among many other projects going on all the time. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Really grateful you're here, and I'm excited for your for your insight here. Let's just start from the very beginning. What? How do you define masculinity? Well, that's that's really the question, isn't it? I, and I think uh, lately a lot of the vectors of attack have come right here in getting the question wrong, in basically saying that that men are, to use my friend Michael Foster's words, defective women. That they they need to get in touch with their feminine side. Their their strength is toxic. Well, contra all of that, the scriptures are clear. They say man is the glory of God. Man was designed to go tame wildernesses, take dominion, win a worthy woman, have children, see his children's children, worshiping the Lord, press faith and uh, resources downstream in his generations, make civilizations. So, I mean, without men, you don't have any of those things uh, because God designed it that way. He made men to be his glory, his vicegerent, his representative on earth. So a lot more we could say, but I think that's a good that's start. Great. What is beautiful. What are boys told a man is today? You know, I think there, there are a few deeply flawed answers that, that young boys are given. They're given an evolutionary answer, that they are just a certain collection of, of atoms and molecules floating around they are not the descendants of great men. They're not the image bearers of God. They're just, you know, second cousin mm. of chimpanzees. Uh, I think that they're told that they are, again, defective women, that they need to sit down, be still, take all of their strength and kind of press it down. Um, and in, in, instead of spurring them further up and further in and saying, young men, go win glory. You, you were made for this. I think instead of that, they're mm. told, hey, you're actually kind of a dangerous thing and we really need you to kind of sit back, be quiet and, uh, you know, let us round off all of your edges. Oh, those are such, oh, so good. And those are such terrible stories to tell. So 
What's, what I think is fascinating, if the default, I think maybe we got comfortable, and this is maybe the best, best case analysis, is we got comfortable with, okay, I'll tell you this. We started off with Camille Paglia. Camille Paglia has the quote that a woman is, but a man has to become. And I think we just stopped telling stories thinking that boy, a boy will just one day become a man. And that's sort of the end of it. And we don't have to like actively, purposefully, with intention, work to raise and train a boy to be a man. So we've, we've fallen away, right? So first of all, do you agree with yeah. that analysis so far? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I would add in something Leon Podols wrote, and he talked about how young young women, especially in spending a lot of time with their mom in the household, they have a model right in front of them. They're, hey, become like your mother. But a, a young man, if you put him in that environment and then put him in, say, a public school with 75% female teachers and deeply anti-male uh, sort of default, that man has to at some reject model of becoming a woman. And he has to say, I have to leave that world of women and go and pursue masculinity. He has to have a father. But then we take fathers out of the home in huge, huge numbers. And so, so many young men are growing up. They don't know how to become a man. They have no model of a man. Uh, they're being handed a faulty definition of a man. So yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's profoundly important to, to understand in this conversation. So I brought in virtue in the first segment, uh, which is good, but give us some, some scriptural truth as to what boys and men, because we tend to focus on boys a lot so far on this special, but it's, it's, it's men too, right? Adults are getting the wrong message. What are some of these yeah. virtues, these biblical virtues that we should be focusing on instead as men? I tend to think in five categories or aspects of masculinity that I didn't come up with these. These are from Bill Mauser. Uh, the late Bill Mauser actually recently passed away. He said he argued that scripture presents um, that the five aspects of godly masculinity, that men ought to be lords who rule their own spirit and then go and rule well in the name of Christ, husbandmen or shepherds who shepherd well like Christ the good shepherd, uh, saviors or redeemers or deliverers who put themselves between danger and their people and give their strength away in the service of good, sages, men of wisdom who deeply pursue goodness, truth, and beauty, and knowledge, and then also glory bearers who are, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, men are the glory of God. So go out and be a glory. That's how I teach men in my church, my own sons, to go and pursue masculinity. Hey, go be lords, husbandmen, saviors, sages, and glory bearers, and aim for, uh, aim for competency in all of those categories. Yes. Oh, I, I hope that every man listening now is like, yes, like, like it feels yes. so good to have, to have that vision cast, be like, yes, boom, that's it, finally. I have a definition of where I want to go as opposed to just wandering aimlessly, no matter what age you are, you're like, perfect, that's what I need. Um, give, us, give us like one or two of those. We got time, we're in no rush here. This is why we're here. Uh, give us a couple of these that you think are uh, lacking and, and help us explain how you teach them to your kids. Yeah, I think lordship is one of the most important ones that you, you even say that out in public. Go on Twitter and say men are supposed to be lords and see what happens. I mean, <laughs> you'll end up yeah. going viral, not positively, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, but to be a lord means to rule well. So the Proverbs say a man who doesn't rule his own spirit is like a city broken into and left without walls. Okay, so rule your own spirit. Don't be mastered by your emotions. Don't be mastered. Don't be so easy to push over that anybody can come and goad you and you're just like, you'll get into any fight that, that someone wants to pick with you. Yes. Rule yourself well. 
and then bring that order out into the, the vocations of your life as a young man in your schooling and training or physical mastery uh, as you come into marriage. Rule in your home well, not as a tyrant, but as a godly Lord. Go and you know, make sure that the ordering of your house is going to prosper your wife and prosper your children. Go into your business and bring this kind of responsibility taking lordship into that vocational world. I mean, you can apply this in any aspect of a man's vocation. And if he's thinking, okay, I'm supposed to bring rule here under the rule of Christ into the world, that will powerfully transform the way that a man, a young man, an old man even, thinks about his duties in the world. Does that make sense? 100%. Not only thinks about how, but it, as you're talking, I'm assessing. I'm assessing the order or chaos that exists in my home that I am responsible for. Because I used to think order. I heard order. And I liked that. Like a man brings order. Um, young. And, and I, I don't know if this is the best archetypes. But he has the king, the warrior, magician, king, lover archetypes. And it's good. It's not Christian-based, though. So it's close, but not there. And he talks about how the king brings order. And I like that. That's good. But I like lordship better. What was the scripture that you used for that? And, and what's the difference? And yes, you, you yeah. mentioned lord brings order. But why is lord better than? Why is that framework and thinking better than just king who brings order? Yeah, I think a, a lord, first of all, is capital L Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the omnicompetent God-man. He is man perfected. He's more than that, but he is the, the perfect image of man to which every man is to be conformed, right? But when we look at the, the telos or the creational realities undergirding man's design, we find right away in Genesis 1 and 2 that man goes out and he names the animals. He even names his wife. He's, he's given a task to take dominion and to rule over creation, to, to bring it order, this lordship of this lordly order. Um, I love 1 Peter 3. It's so politically incorrect, but uh, Peter praises Good. Abraham's wife, Sarah, for calling him Lord. Says, you know, and, and then says, hey, women, go be like this to your husband, who like, like Abraham's wife, who called him Lord. So this may sound foreign to the modern ear, but all it means is that a man rules well, he rules his own spirit, and that he knows how to be in authority and under authority. And if he can do those things well, there's safety for a wife, for children, and for society at large when a man rules in this way. Mm, of course. So good. What, what's the what's the scripture used about the walls? Oh, I think you know what it's, it's like in a Proverbs. Yeah, a city without walls. I think I, I want to say Proverbs twenty five. But man, now I'm my my I'm failing as a pastor in no, the, giving. <laughs> no, it's okay. You you you, my, you paraphrased giving, it well uh, before. No, you, you even even yeah. the paraphrase was great, right? So you're a city you're a city under attack without walls. You're easily moved, yep. easily manipulated, easily Proverbs twenty five. 2528. That's what it was. There you go. Done. You. Beautiful. Um, all right. We got like two more minutes. Give me one more category of the five you mentioned. Yeah. I think sage is one that is neglected because often men tend to reject wisdom and learning because they're, give, they're fed it in a feminine mode so often. Go to this school with a female teacher um, where girls excel because it's mainly sitting still. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, anti masculine sort of flavor to all of that. But men need to hear that 
you were made to go and pursue wisdom. And I think the best proof from scripture of this is that the book of Proverbs, which is a wisdom book, it was written first as a father to his sons to instruct them in wisdom so that they could go out like their father who was a king and rule well. That's the occasion of the book of Proverbs. So here we have the biggest book of wisdom and it's directed to obviously young ladies and women can take much from the Proverbs as well, sure. but it's directed right into the heart of, of young men. Um, so I think men need to be thinking, writing, um, being rigorous, being men of ideas and being captivated by great ideas and by truth and just relentlessly, courageously pursue truth in the light of reason before God um, and not be intellectually lazy or let, you know, reject the sage aspect of learning or of life just because schooling is so often such a feminine environment. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I got to ask this. So we, this is our first year of homeschooling. We have a mm -hmm. six-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy and a 10-month-old boy. And we're homeschooling. And I know every kid always asks this question. And our, our kids just asked it the other day. Why do I have to know this? And I don't think they're asking, like, am I going to be an architect one day and I need to know trigonometry? But like, that's not it. It's more than that. It's like, why do I need to know things? Why do I need to... Yeah learn what, what's like your answer to that your big picture answer about why god gave us a brain and we're supposed to love him with all of our heart soul mind strength etc what, what, what does that mean to you how do you answer that well proverbs 25 2 says that it's the glory of god to conceal a thing and it's the glory of kings to search a thing out so god is hidden as the architect of reality he's hidden all these mysteries from philosophical mysteries to engineering mysteries and the task of men is to go out like glorious kings and search those things out and find them. So I tell my sons, hey, interesting people are interested people and uninterested people are boring people. And you don't want to be a glory, a boring <laughs> person. You want to have the glory of kings, right, son? So do your math. Go and find the, the <laughs> mysteries that God has hidden in the equations because they're there and they're beautiful and they're glorious. Yeah. Tremendous. Brian Sauvet, founder of New Christendom Press. Where can people read, learn, listen more about you and everything you're doing, Brian? Well, I'm very active on formerly twitter.com, I guess X, whatever it is now, at, at Brian underscore Sauve, S-A-U-V-E. And uh, you can find all of our links there, music, podcasts, and a lot more. Uh, but that's a good hub to start. That's great. Brian, please keep keep it all up. If I can encourage you, uh, please keep up everything you're doing. Well, thank you, you so have the much. Answers. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Brian Sauve, it's spelled S-A-U-V-E on the Twitter. Kevin Sorbell, Hercules, coming up next, spread the word. This podcast is brought to you by Patriot Gold Group. Been working with Patriot Gold Group for many years now because they're the best. That's the first reason. Rated A plus, A plus by Consumer Reports, right? I'm not going to mess around with an okay gold dealer. I want the best, highest rated, many years in a row now, top rated gold IRA dealer by Consumer Affairs. So that's one reason. Second, uh, are, you, are you watching the debt? <laughs> when debt goes up, price of dollars, the price of the uh, gold goes up. 
Zip. Debt goes up, gold goes up. Do you think we're going to stop spending as much money now? No. We're always going to be spending more. And I think that's good for the price of gold. So if you're interested in learning more about it and seeing if this makes sense for you and your family, 1-888-617-6122. You can talk about a uh, no fee for life IRA. Your IRA, IRA or 401k can be in physical and silver as well, which could be good for you as well. But at the very least, just own some. Have it in your possession. 888-617-6122 or patriotgoldgroup.com.